against powers, against the rulers of darkness uh, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So our opponent here uh, is invisible. So that makes it even more difficult. That's even harder than a curveball uh, because you cannot see him. And it says here we wrestle. Uh, now, I've wrestled, back when I was growing up, we called it wrestling, all right, but you wrestled. Uh, you know, if your cousin came over, if a friend next door was about your size, it was fun. It was fun. Just go out there in the yard and wrestle, all right? Uh, you know, you might never know where I grew up, you know, you rolled in stuff because there was cows in the pasture where you were wrestling. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's okay if you can see the guy, but we wrestle against something we can't see. And so how can you get, a, how can you get an advantage of your opponent? Now, we're in First Peter. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, your opponent is invisible. And here's some things that we can take into account and maybe give us a little bit of a, an, an advantage of our opponent and our adversary. It says here, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So not only is he invisible, he wants to devour you. But here's some, here's some indications in the Bible. Uh, be sober. Obviously, you know, you can apply that to drinking and not drinking, uh, and, but it also just means to be sober. In other words, think that the devil's trying to get you. He's trying to destroy you. Uh, he don't want you to ever get to the Sunday school lesson that we talked about. Uh, he don't want you to ever even get saved, much less start growing. Uh, he, he wants to devour you and, and stop you right there where in your tracks. Uh, but our opponent, we can't see. Our adversary, we need to be vigilant and sober thinking. That he's trying to devour us. Now, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, talks about our enemy. It says here, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are ignorant of his devices. So if he can't devour you, he wants to get a little bit of an advantage. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Uh, when you get up to that level, and I played all the way to college, when you get to, when you get to that level, that's, that's what they're doing. They're trying to any little bit of an advantage. If you got speed on the bases, if you got some power, you set your batting order up, things like that, it's all to get just a little bit of an advantage. Why? Because you can go hours in the game be one to nothing. That's awesome to me. All right? Why? Because I love baseball. Uh, but, you know, you never had those games much where it was 14 to 3. But, you know, the guy, whoever was pitching was, he was throwing batting practice for us. Uh, but anyway, uh, anything you can do to get an advantage, and that's what we're going to talk about today, how to know as much possible about our opponent, our adversary, and our enemy. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. And Lord, I just ask you to fill me your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, just bind Satan from this building and this place. Lord, I just ask you to help us all to listen intently to the Holy Spirit. Lord, because it's pretty important that we get, we get some, uh, I guess, some knowledge about these devices uh, and the advantage that he's trying to take on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I hate Satan. Don't like him one bit uh, because I've seen him keep people from getting saved. I've seen him get people out of church. I've seen him ruin people's lives. And I don't like him, all right? Uh, I don't like him even more than I don't like the Gators. <laughs> and as a bulldog, buddy, I say it a lot. Okay? Uh, because... I don't like what he does, and I don't like what he's trying to do to me. I don't like what he's trying to do to my family. I don't like what he's trying to do to my friends. I don't like what he's trying to do to my church. I don't like him. I don't. And so if I can find out any adv uh, advantage, uh, any, anything that I can learn about his devices to keep him from doing what he wants to do, I'm liking it. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look. There's many of them. 
I mean, there's tons. We, we wouldn't have enough time in this day to talk about all his devices. So we're going to look at three of them that I feel that, that he uses a lot. Uh, it's his go-to. Uh, and so we're going to talk about it. And I, and I know I've had to fight him in all three of these areas. And I'm sure you have. And so I hope that you can uh, listen today. Maybe apply some of these verses to it uh, because, you know, there's really not a game that I can think of that, that you know, that would be an, an example of fighting the devil. You know, you, you, you can talk about wrestling. I, I wrestled in high school, uh, you know, and, and things like that. And I, I remember learning those things to try to get an advantage. If you were in the down position, bend that elbow and rolling, all right, quick as he, I mean, as soon as the referee blew that whistle. If he was on top and he was holding you right there, pinch, roll, and you got it. And I've had some pins in seconds. Uh, why? Because it was an advantage. My coach taught me. If you were on top, come up, grab his head, down, grab that ankle, boom, rolling forward. I mean, just like that, wrestlers goes, oh, yeah, you, you've been taught. All right? I, I, I get it. Uh, but, you know, you, 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 you find all these advantages to win. But the only thing I could think of is fighting Satan. And I had to ask the kids about it because I never, I never knew what it was called. Uh, but it was called, they told me, whack-a-mole. All right? Anybody know what a whack-a-mole is? I thought about having Brother Wilson show a video of whack-a-mole, but Pastor hadn't done that yet, and I didn't want to overstep my bounds. But a whack-a-mole, I guess they got them at Chuck E. Cheese. I never went to Chuck E. Cheese. I told you, I grew up in the country. We didn't have Chuck E. Cheeses. If anybody ever went to Chuck E. Cheese, we probably beat them up because that was, you know, it had to be some kind of sissy. Uh, but I guess this game is at Chuck E. Cheese. And it's a mole. I'm sure, I hope you know what a mole is, but there's five of them, I think. There's three across the back, two right here, and they pop their heads up. And you, you're supposed to have some type of, you know, hammer or sledgehammer or a little, I'm sure it's not real. It's like probably foam because you don't want to hurt them. Uh, but anyway, but I mean, you're just supposed to, I mean, as he pops his head, you know, you're just going at it. And I, I think that's the best description of Satan that I can think of because he's going to pop his head up wherever he can. And as often as he can, and what we need is, is to have our mallet or our sword and be able to whack his head back down. Why? Because he's going to poke it up. And as soon as you think you got that beat, boop, there it comes up with, oh, bam, boop, oh, boom. And that's what you're going to have to do the rest of your life. Uh, as a Christian, he's not going to stop. You have to keep whacking the mole as much as he pops his head up. And this is, I guarantee you, the best hammer you can find. I believe it even has a verse in there that says this is a hammer. All right, uh, but that's what we're going to look at today. So when he pops his head up, I'm going to give you some verses busting. All right, I mean, <laughs> it feels good. All right, it feels good to hit that home run sometimes. You just get that tingling feeling all through your body. Oh, got that one. <laughs> all right, that was awesome. But if you can boom, get the devil, all right, it, it's fun. All right, just fight him. Keep whacking the mold. So let's look at this. Number one, the first, ver the first uh, device we're going to look at is he likes to provo provoke our pride. He likes to provoke our pride. And again, we're prideful. We, we are. It's in there. We're born that way. Uh, it's mine. You go back here to the nursery right now and take a toy from a kid. Good luck. <laughs> mine. All right, we, we got it. It's in there. And he likes to provoke that pride. Because if he can get us puffed up and prideful, he's going to win. That's why there are several verses in this Bible that says, humble yourself. All right, because, you know, all my righteousness is filthy rags. I can use that verse, wham, what the devil tries to tell me. I'm good for something, all right? 17 years of my life living for the devil and not for God. <laughs> uh, I'm humbled uh, at that. Uh, so, uh, but again, he can say, well, you've been doing this now, and he, he can pump you right up. 
He likes to provoke our pride. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 21. 1 Chronicles 21, we're going to use the Bible several times this morning. But in 1 Chronicles uh, 21, 1, we see here he provoked David's pride. And of course, obviously, David did some great things. And we, there's probably sitting in here some examples of David's that, you know, that was humbled, that was surrendered to the Lord and allowed God to use him in a great way, but then all of a sudden provoked that pride, and now they're useless. They think they do it all in their own power. Uh, and that's what happened to David in this instance. It says here in 1 Chronicles 21.1, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. They'd been out, I mean, just <laughs> tearing them up. Winning all the battles, winning all the wars, taking out uh, uh, you know, the enemy left and right. And Satan came over to David in that exact time, and this is when he likes to do it. If God's used you to do something, maybe even miraculous, something that, that, that's helped somebody, Satan will get over there on your ear. And you've, you've seen the little commercials with the, the devil in this ear and the, and the angel in this ear. He likes doing it. He likes pr provoking that pride. Uh, if, if you've led someone to Christ, he'll hop up on that shoulder and say, man, you're, you're a good Christian. You're a, you're a soul winning machine. You're probably the best soul winner in this church. And all of a sudden, ooh, 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 ooh. you're right. That's how he does it. This is a device he likes to use. So he comes to David after, I mean, they just, they've been winning. All the battles just show up almost. And that's what happens. You get a basketball team, they win five games in a row. They get to thinking, all we got to do is put the uniform on. All we got to do is get on the court, and we got it. And then they get to thinking that way, and then come in, and you look on paper, man, we'll kill this team. And they end up losing. What happened? Pride. All, all, just give me the ball. Just give it to me. I'll score everything. What's that guy going to do? He can't hit the broad side of the barn that day. Why? Pride. Uh, so we see here, he, he says, go out there and number them. And so in verse 2, David told Joab, okay, go out there and number them. And Joab's like, David, we've never numbered them before. And verse 3, it says here, and Joab asked, why? Why do we need to go number them? We're, we're winning. Why change the formula? Why change how we're doing it, our plan of attack? Why? And as to say, you know, David, don't you remember? Us and God, no matter what they have, is the majority. So we see here, uh, he said, why? But goes on to say, nevertheless, in verse 4, he went out, he came back. Uh, you know, the, the king's word prevailed. He went out and counted them and uh, came back in verse 5 and says, uh, you know, basically there, he said, well, David, Israel has thousand, thousands, and a hundred thousand. I don't even know how to get that. Uh, and, and that drew the sword. That's a lot of people. And okay, what did Judah have? Well, they have 400, three score, uh, and a thousand uh, men that drew the sword. David's like, whoo. We got this. I mean, I can count. And I mean, we, we way outnumber them. And so basically, in this instance, God, uh, David said, God, you know, we appreciate your help. You can just take a rest on this one. You know, just sit down and relax. You know, we know how to draw the sword. We know how to fight these people. We got it. And guess what happened? They lost. Look at verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. So don't let the devil use one of his devices and get you prideful about anything. Uh, I remember my dad preaching a sermon one time talking about when he was first preaching. And he would study for hours and pray for hours and, and, and get up and felt like he just, you know, mutilated the sermon. 
and he was a, he was a mobile home mover. And he said, you know, Phew, I can't preach very good. This preaching stuff scares me, but I can drive. I mean, I've been pulling trailers since I was, you know, we'll say 17. All right. But back then, I think you could get a CDL when you were 18. Uh, but he got a head start. Uh, but anyway, uh, I've been pulling mobile homes for a long time. I, I can do that in my sleep. He says the next day, hadn't hit a mailbox in 20 years. Wham! Nailed that mailbox. Come down through there, and uh, red light turns red. Goes to pump the brakes, no brakes. <laughs> and uh, the Holy Spirit said, so you can, you can do this pretty good without me, huh? Oh, God, I need your help. And so went down through there, a lot of traffic in the Atlanta area. Went through the four-way, went down, went into a, uh, I guess, a Winn-Dixie parking lot, got it to come to a stop, not hitting anything. And God says, I got you. The devil will try to pump you up in whatever you do. So you'll leave God sitting down on this one. We need him on every one. No matter what the, the odds are. So we see that David swelled up with pride and lost the battle. So one of Satan's devices is to provoke our pride. Uh, some of us that's been saved a good while. I've been saved a long time. The devil hadn't got me to do anything that I shouldn't in a long time. Be careful. I mean, he's way smarter than we are. We need God. Don't get prideful. Uh, I remember the first time I ever sang a solo. My hands were sopping wet. I mean, it was running down my back, sweat was, my knees were knocking. God, please help me. I've been singing them a long time now. But from there to here, every time, God, I need you. God, you let me be a blessing to you first of all. Let me sing unto you. Then, let it be an encouragement to my pastor, because he's fixing to preach. Use me. Then, let it be a blessing to everybody. Why? Because they're fixing to hear God's word preached. That's the mindset you need to have, not. Useless. The devil won. And you're not going to get rewarded for it. I can sing. I've been singing forever. I can play. I've been playing forever. I can. Well, you better watch out. That's what David did. Man, I've been winning battles left and right. Just look out. Well, we got them outnumbered. Boy, it's going to be cool to go draw the sword. Better be careful. <laughs> we were out sewing in yesterday with the teenagers. I looked down the street. There's his home team. If you know what a home team is. Uh, there was this guy. He was down there, and he had a sword. And he was cutting his hedges with a sword. <laughs> I was like, mm, let's go this down this street. So we get down there, and we, you know, we had plenty more time to go right by his house. So we go down there, and my wife's like, don't send the kid there. Don't send the kid there. I was like, we'll be all right. And so she's out there telling him where to go. She skips his house. <laughs> and I see him sitting on the front porch, so I hop off the bus. I take a track over there, and the dude's got his leg all wrapped up with a shirt. And he was all right when he was cutting this way. But when he started cutting this way and couldn't stop, he slit his leg right open. And uh, come to find out, he was a youth worker at his church. He was just trying to impress the kids. I was like, you got to be careful. All right? You know, the devil will pump your pride up and mess you up. Anyway, second one. Let's go to Luke 22. Luke 22. He provoked David's pride. In Luke 22, he provoked Peter's pride. 
Luke 22, verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. And it says here, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Hey, uh, I know I've had my name called back to back like that. When my mom ever said all of my name, you know, James Robert Stanley, dude, I better find a bunker uh, because I was in trouble. Uh, but that's what Jesus was talking to. Hey, Simon, Simon. Hey, uh, why? Because he knew he was getting all pumped up with pride. And so that's the Holy Spirit speaks in a still small voice. But if we ever start getting that chest poked out, I'm sure the Holy Spirit's going, Robbie, uh, Robbie, you still need God. Right? You don't have it all together. You need his help. And that's what I saw Jesus was doing to Peter here. Hey, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Some of you old-timers have maybe used a sifter before. Uh, now we just, you know, whop it on the counter and open it up. But anyway, uh, uh, there's a, a, a sifter broke things up and destroyed things and, and, and scattered them. And uh, Peter was just running off at the mouth. And he said in verse 33, Lord, I'll, I'll go to jail with you if I have to. And then he goes on down in verse 34. And uh, I'm sorry, and the rest of verse 33, it says, I'll even die for you if I have to. So here's Peter running off at the mouth. And Jesus says in verse 34, before the cock crows, you will deny me thrice. So we see here these two guys got pumped up with pride. David was looking at the odds instead of God. Hey, don't ever do that. Hey, why? Number one, God always is the majority. And, I mean, there's, there's, verse, there's uh, stories in the Bible where there was just a few hundred men versus thousands of men. But if they had God, they won. Uh, he could even cause the, the enemy to think, you know, they, they were surrounded and kill each other. Uh, God's powerful. But so don't get pra- uh, boasted up. So we see here David was looking at the odds instead of God. And Peter was running off at the mouth and not using his mind. So again, we know the lingo. We know what to say. Uh, you know, all of us that have raised kids, they know what to say. You can just watch the eyes. No, I, I didn't do it. No, no, not me. Just watch those eyes. They'll tell. Okay? They know what to say. Uh, running off at the mouth sometimes is prideful. And we see here uh, Peter uh, got full of pride. So first of all, we see here Satan likes one of his devices is he likes to provoke our pride. Now let's go to Mark 1. Mark 1. His second device we're going to talk about this morning is he likes to tempt our temple. He likes to tempt our temple. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. He likes to tempt this. Because our body, you know, it's, it, its mindset or its body set is if it feels good, do it. Uh, in other words, if, that, if that, uh, those first chicken wings tasted good, the next six will too. <laughs> Just saying, all right. Uh, if that you know, if that two-hour nap felt good, two more hours would really, really, really feel good. He likes to tempt this body, uh, and if there's other th- other enjoyments that you like, uh, Satan likes to tempt our body, our temp- our temple. And so we're in Mark uh, one verse thirteen. This was Jesus. I believe the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every point, just like we were or are, yet without sin. So he knows what we're t- what he's talking about here. Uh, and so he's got verses that he used to whack a mole, 
and put devil, the devil's head back down. And this is where it's found, one of, one of the places. In verse 13 it says here, And he, uh, Jesus, was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. Here's the whack-a-mole. 40 days he kept tempting and uh, didn't, didn't let off. And, of course, we know the story. He, t- he said, if you're, if you're hungry, you know, turn these stones into bread. And, of course, Jesus whacked him upside the head with the Bible. And then he said, well, okay, the Bible says, and of course, Satan changed it just like he always does. Uh, you know, throw yourself off this temple. And, and, God, and he answered him again with the Bible. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And just goes on and on. And so every time he popped his head up, the devil, the, Jesus would take the Bible, boom, and knock him right back down. And so we see here he's going to tempt our temple. Jesus was tempted that way. Uh, you, won't have, you don't have to turn here, but in Acts 5.3, Acts 5.3, you know the story. Ananias and Sapphira had, had sold their property and promised the Holy Spirit that they were going to give it all. And so, again, we, we've heard preaching on this. Uh, again, nothing says that we have to do that. But they felt led of the Holy Spirit to do it, and they were obeying the Holy Spirit. And so then when they didn't give it all, they had lied to the Holy Spirit. So what had happened between... You know, her getting ready, which took hours, uh, because he got to church way before she did. We'll leave all that alone. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, he, he'd gotten there, and he said, you know, we're, we're going to give this much. But that wasn't all of it. He was dead. So she came in said the same story, obviously. So we see here that they had got to thinking about how that a portion of that would be nice to this temple. We might do an add-on, might put a pool in. Might get real AC. I'm sure AC was a would be in a hot commodity back in their day. Uh, we might could be do this with it, do that with it. So they started getting tempted. And so again, I'm sure the devil tempts you sometimes when you go to write your tire checkout. You know, you you need this fixed on your car. You need this fixed on your house. If you wouldn't tithe, you could get it fixed, and that would feel good to your temple. Uh, you better obey the Holy Spirit. You better obey the Bible, uh, and don't let him tempt. And so we see uh, he likes to tempt our temple. And so first of all, we saw that he liked to provoke our power. Uh, secondly, he likes to tempt our temple. And of course, there's all kinds of sins that we can do with this body uh, that Satan tries to tempt you uh, to do. Uh, and, and we won't get into all those this morning. Uh, but do not succumb to the temptation. And so whatever it is, whack it. And whatever it is, if you need to get rid of it, get rid of it i.e. internet, cell phone, whatever. If it keeps allowing you to succumb to that temptation, get rid of it. That would be the best way to whack the mole. Don't, don't give, them, give him the avenue. So uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. We'll look at the third one. Running out of time here. 1 uh, Corinthians 14. So he likes to provoke our pride. Secondly, he likes to tempt our temple. And thirdly and finally, he likes to confuse our conscience. He likes to confuse our conscience. And some of you say, That's, I stay in that state of confusion. <laughs> I like it. All right. uh, but anyway, he likes to confuse. And so we see here in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says here, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So one of Satan's devices is to confuse people. Confuse. And he, he will do it, and he's been doing it since the beginning. Uh, we won't take time to look at the verses, but in heaven, he started this confusion. He's like, I'm going to be like the Most High. I'm going to ascend. And those that were close to him got confused. I, I, I thought God was going to be God. Well, 
you know, if, if you're going to be, I'm going to. And they got confused, and they went with him. And guess what? They got kicked out with him too. So he's been confusing people since heaven. And so he can confuse you. Uh, he likes to confuse people and religion. I mean, he's got people confused, you know, that, that the Messiah hadn't even come yet. And he has. He's done come and went. <laughs> come, took care of everything, and went back to heaven. But there's people, I mean, honest people, sincere people that are still waiting on Jesus to come. They're confused. He's got people confused that there's multiple ways to get to heaven. I got some verses that says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Whack! All right? Uh, there's only one. Okay, whack them. And so he's got people confused that you can pray to this person and, and get to heaven or you can do this many thises and get to heaven. They're confused. Honest, sincere people. But that's how good he is. He's got them confused that there's many ways to heaven except one way to heaven. Then he likes to confuse us in life. He has some people that's confused that, hey, this is my life. I can do with it what I want. Where the Bible says that it's not your life. It's been bought with a price. And some of you are living in that confused state thinking that you can just go and do what you want to because it's your life. I got plenty of time. I can do the spiritual thing later. He's got you confused. Here's a couple of verses. James 4, 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanishes away. You don't have a long time. You can be five and then 52 in a blink of an eye. I can testify. It goes fast. So don't let the Satan confuse you. You go, oh, you got plenty of time. No. Today's the day of salvation. All right. Today's the day you ought to serve God. Today's what you ought to do, what you were created to do here on this earth, not just hang out. So don't let him confuse you. And then here's another one. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, that temple, uh, and, and in the spirit, which are God's. He bought and paid for them. So don't let Satan confuse you. That this is my life. I can do with it what I want. That's a lie. It's a device. Because one day you're going to stand before God. And if you haven't done what God created you to do, you're going to be ashamed. But if you have done what God has created you to do, you'll hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. So that's my, first, that's my three points. We're going to get to conclusion here for a second. Don't let Satan's devices, and there's many more of them, don't get prideful. Don't fall to temptation. If you do, get back up. Diverse temptation, the Bible says. If you fall, get back up. Whack him. Go forward. And don't let him confuse you. So in conclusion, let's go to one more place. One more place. Let's go to, uh, I'll just read them to you. You can write them down. Satan wants to bind you. All right? If he can't bind you, uh, he wants to get advantage on you. If he can't, I mean, if he can't devour you, he wants to get advantage. There was one verse I forgot to read to you, uh, but it's in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. Paul says this, Wherefore, we would have come to you, even Paul, I, uh, it says here, but Satan hath hindered us. So if he can't devour you, if he can't get advantage on you, he likes to just hinder you a little bit. But we're, we're seeing here, what Satan wants to do is bind you. Luke 13, 16 says this, And ought not the woman being the daughter of Abraham, who Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years. 
So in this verse, I want, to, I want you to see that it really doesn't matter who you are. Satan's coming after you. Hey, if you're well-known, Satan's coming after you. If nobody knows you, Satan's coming after you. Uh, he wants to bind you. He wants to devour you. He wants to get advantage on you. At least he wants to hinder you. So here's what we do. Uh, in conclusion, first of all, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this, No marvel, for Satan himself is transferred into an angel of light. I mean, he can do anything. He can transform himself into an angel of light. So you've got to be careful. That's why the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because there are seducing spirits out there. You've got to know. Uh, work that out. Uh, and it says here, uh, you know, just like Jonah, well, here's a boat. Must be God's will. Kind of an angel of light, probably. Because God had said, go over to Nineveh and preach. But here's a boat. And lo and behold, it costs this much to ride it. And what do I got? The exact amount. Better be careful. If he can transform himself into an angel of light, he can trick you. Uh, in conclusion, Satan is everywhere. He'll keep popping up his head. Job 1.7 says this, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down. He's everywhere. So not only can he change himself into an angel of light and trick you, he's everywhere. It's going to pop up everywhere. And then we see here Satan will get his one day. My favorite verse of this whole sermon. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out. And the old serpent was called uh, the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He's going to get his. And here's my last verse that I'm going to give you today. Uh, it's in Mark 4, 15. Mark 4, 15. And this is for the invitation. Uh, Satan will turn into an angel of light. He, he, he's got power. Uh, he, he can pump your pride up. He can tempt you. He can confuse you. But here's a sad, sad verse. Mark 4, 15. And these are they by the wayside where the word was sown. So I'm sowing the word right now. The preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the Bible. And you're sitting here by the wayside. It says here, but when they had heard, and I think y'all all heard me, in my country redneck accent and my weird illustrations. Y'all have all heard. And this is here. Satan cometh immediately. Immediately. And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. I've been in church a long time. And I've seen people sitting where you're sitting that weren't saved. And they heard the gospel. That you're a sinner. That Jesus died for your sins. Paid for your debt. And rose again, went back to heaven. So you could go there one day if you just accept him as your personal savior. And they sit there, and they're holding on to the pew, and they, they, they don't, what? He took it away. And he allowed them to be confused. He allowed them to be tempted. And he allowed them to be prideful and walk out that back door lost. And if they died before they ever got saved, they went to hell. This verse right here says that Satan can take away that word. We, we, we've all been there. I'll, I'll pray about this when I get home instead of coming to the altar. And by the time you got home, you turned on the football game, or you went by and got a, a, a blizzard, and you forgot all about it. What'd Satan do? I mean, at lunch, if somebody said, hey, what was pastor's four points? Because we know he most, most likely had four. What's pastor's four points? Uh, uh, uh what, what was it? 
Satan came in and took it away. Why? Because he knows if you got the word of God, you can whack that mole. But if he can take it away from you, or you don't have any defense, he knows Satan's going to win. So if you're sitting here today, and you've never been saved, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, don't let him take it. You heard me say a while ago that you're a sinner. You probably agree that Jesus died on the cross for you. You've heard the story. He rose again. All you got to do is ask him to save you, and he will save you. We'll have people down here that can take this hammer and open it up and show you how to whack the mole and get saved this morning. So don't leave out that door. Don't let him get you prideful. We're not going to laugh at you. People will laugh at you if you go down front. That's a lie from Satan. Well, they think I'm already saved. Who cares what they think? If you're not saved, come get saved. We'll be excited about it. Don't let him take it away from you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.